Okay, this uh, third conference, I just want to focus on the sacraments and healing prayer. Dr. Bob wrote a book about that as well. You may already know about it, Be Transformed, a healing, The Healing Power of the Sacraments. And uh, I'm going to refer to that a little bit tonight, but it's just another great book. Um, his point is simply that the sacraments are all healing sacraments. We have, we know... Um, the sacrament of confession. We have the sacrament of anointing of the sick. But in a certain manner, all the sacraments bring healing because they give us God's life. They give us God's um, grace. just wanted to share a few paragraphs from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, 1509, okay? Uh, 1509 says this, Heal the sick. The church has received this charge from the Lord and strives to carry it out by taking care of the sick, as well as by accompanying them with her prayer of intercession. She believes in the life-giving presence of Christ, the physician of souls and bodies. This presence is particularly active through the sacraments and in an altogether special way through the Eucharist, the bread that gives eternal life and that St. Paul suggests is connected with bodily health. And so we, we need to be open to and receive the grace uh, the sac- of the sacrament. Um, you know, we have to be open to that grace uh, to, to receive it. And so um, whenever we receive communion, wherever, whenever we're in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, to really um, just surrender ourselves to him and... Um, as best we can, try to ponder the great mystery that, that we're so blessed to receive. But we know they're, so we know they're not magic, you know. Um, we have, our, our hearts has to be, our hearts have to be disposed to receive the grace. Our hearts has, have to be disposed. We have to be looking for it, expecting it, and disposed to receiving it. It's always offered but uh, we have to be disposed to receive it. Catechism, paragraph 1116, says, Sacraments are powers that come forth from the body of Christ, which is ever-living and life-giving. They are actions of the Holy Spirit at work in his body, the church. They are the master works of God in the new and everlasting covenant. So they're, they're powers that come forth from the body of Christ. Powers that come forth from the body of Christ. You know, there's a particular image. I don't know uh, if you've uh, been to the Schoenstatt Shrine in Crete. And honestly, I don't know if every Schoenstatt Shrine has one of these crucifixes. But they have um, a, sh- uh, a crucifix that's pretty unique, where it has Jesus um, hanging on the cross, and then the Blessed Mother is standing below, and she's holding up a chalice to the side of his, to the side where the wound, the wound in the side is. And she's receiving his precious blood. Uh, and so that's what I think of when I hear these words. Sacraments are powers that come forth from the body of Christ. Then Catechism 1153 says a sacramental celebration is a meeting of God's children with their Father in Christ and the Holy Spirit. 
A sacramental celebration is a meeting of God's children with their Father. This meeting takes the form of a dialogue through actions and words. Admittedly, the symbol, symbolic actions are already a language, but the word of God and the response of faith have to accompany and give life to them so that the seed of the kingdom can bear its fruit in good soil. Again, we have to be disposed, open to receiving that grace. The liturgical actions signify what the word of God expresses, both his free initiative and his people's response of faith. So that's Catechism 1153. And so Dr. Bob Schutz acknowledges that while the sacraments work um, to heal all wounds, um, that they can be specifically... um, So this book basically is about which, you know, one sacrament heals this particular wound. This sacrament heals this particular wound. And so, um, you know, the way he's in his own, I guess you would say, meditation and reflection on it is what he's giving us in that book. Um, That just seems to really resonate with a lot of people. Um, Is that the um, baptism, so looking at each of the sacraments, that baptism heals which wound? but the wound of rejection. Um, The sacrament of Holy Communion, he says, heals the wound of abandonment. So we don't feel alone. Jesus is with us. Baptism, so baptism healing the wound of rejection, going back to that, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's God overcoming that rejection the feeling of rejection, where he is choosing us. He is bringing us into his family. Confirmation, he says, heals powerlessness. And he says there that we need to repent of control and let the Holy Spirit do the work. So confirmation heals powerlessness. Uh, The catechism, uh, just following upon that, Uh, 1302 says, It is evident from its celebration that the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit as once granted to the apostles on the the day of Pentecost. And we know what happened as they went forth. They They experienced the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in what they said, speaking boldly in Christ and speaking the gospel of Christ boldly, uh, speaking truth boldly, performing miracles, you know, Christ performing miracles through them. Uh, Their courage going from being cowards to being heroic, heroically courageous. The sacrament of holy orders heals confusion, he says, heals confusion. And we can see how... um, you know, where there isn't leadership, and that can, you know, just in any human institution, but as well as in the church, um, where there isn't true leadership, then there's confusion. And, um, and so he says, holy orders, this established uh, hierarchy, this established magisterium heals confusion. Matrimony, he says, heals fear. Heals fear. 
And then reconciliation heals shame. It's not too hard to see that one with um, you know regular confession. You know, uh, it's so good just in regular confession, even just to bring forth, uh, just to mention temptations, just to bring them into the light of Christ. Uh, because as we know, that this is how the enemy works. He wants us to keep things silent. He wants us to just think we're all alone. We can't trust the Father. Uh, we can't turn back to the Father because we've, um, we've disobeyed him. We've rejected him. Uh, and so, you know, obviously the, 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 um, process plays out over and over again where, um, where the enemy makes sin look very appealing. And then if, and when we give into that, then he just shames us endlessly, uh, with what we have done. You know, that's his MO, you know, make sin look appealing and then just shame us endlessly, uh, accuse us, <clears throat> and get us to accuse ourselves. Anointing of the sick, uh, Dr. Bob says, heals hopelessness. Heals hopelessness. You know, we can, we can see how that is. And with any sickness, any illness, serious illness especially, where we can be tempted to lose hope. The Catechism, uh, paragraph 1520 says, a particular gift of the Holy Spirit, the first grace of this sacrament is one of strengthening. So anointing of the sick, the first grace of this sacrament is one of strengthening. Um, Peace and courage to overcome the difficulties that go with the condition of serious illness or the frailty of old age. This grace is a gift of the Holy Spirit who renews trust and faith in God and strengthens against the temptations of the evil one, the temptation to discouragement and anguish in the face of death. This assistance from the Lord by the power of his Spirit is meant to lead the sick person to healing of the soul, but also of the body, if such is God's will. Furthermore, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. wanted to uh, just now move on to inner healing prayer. Um, That's something that's mentioned in Dr. Bob's book, Be Healed, Uh, how powerful that was for him. Uh, And just his ministry and his work as a counselor, as a family counselor, therapist, how he has seen incredible, just miraculous things happen in a very short amount of time that he thought would take years, would take years uh, with counseling, but with inner healing prayer, bringing Jesus into memories, bringing Jesus into those wounds. Um, He's experienced um, tremendous uh, work, just God moving in powerful ways through that. So I wanted to uh, just read through these steps of inner healing prayer. And this comes from, uh, I think it was provided at the uh, Healing the Whole Person conference. If any of you were there this last July, 
But uh, there are six steps, and I'm just going to go through those. You know, so uh, the first is just identify the current distress sim- symptoms. Current, identify the current distress sim- symptoms. In other words, what is currently distressing you? What do you and what do you desire? What is the current trigger event, and what are you feeling in that situation? What do you believe in your heart about yourself? You know, is there a stronghold lie there? What do you believe in your heart about an, another person, or is there some kind of judgment there? So that first one is identify the current distress symptoms. What's distressing me? What is my heart desire right now? What's the situation? Um, what am I believing about myself? What am I believing about this other person? Okay, so the second step then is ask Jesus or the Father or the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and so sometimes um, you know, and to sh- for, them, for, for one of the persons of the Trinity to show you the root of the problem. You know, um, you know, sometimes it is the case because of our woundedness, we struggle to pray to one of the particular persons of the Trinity. Oftentimes, I think, unfortunately, well, just as it is, oftentimes people say it's hard for me to picture the Father or pray to the Father or to the Son or to the Holy Spirit, whatever the case may be, not feeling a, a close connection there. And on that point, just ask them. Ask the Father, ask the Son, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask Him for that connection. Ask Him for that closeness. Okay? But in this inner healing prayer, ask Jesus, the Father, or the Holy Spirit to show you the root of the problem. And He makes a great point here where He says, try not to figure it out. Try not to go down the road of trying to figure it out. You know, just listen and receive. Okay? He says the root may be one memory or a series of memories or a feeling. The root may also be a womb experience or generational problem. So, you know, and so in all of this, we want to be patient with ourselves. We have, we, you know, we don't, we don't know all this. (laughs) Well, that's why we're turning to God. And so we have to be patient with ourselves and, um, and not try to figure it out because we can be very, good at doing that, where we say, okay, well, I know this is connected to this and to this and to that and to this. And so then we're all trying to figure it out ourselves, why we're feeling the way we are, why we're thinking the way we are. And his point is, let's just trust the Holy Spirit to show us. Let's trust the Son of God, the Father, Eternal Father, to show us. The third step is to identify the painful experience and corresponding belief. You know, identify the painful experience and corresponding belief. So, and he says the pain and the lie should match with initial distress and lie. You know, if there's more than one memory, identify the common thread. You know, I see that this was present in each of the memories. If the root problem is pre-verbal, there may not be memory. There may be only feelings. If the root issue is generational, there may not be any emotion. And so just identify the painful experience. Um, you know, and, and I've heard these guys say even, feel it, you know, feel the painful experience. Give yourself permission to do that. I know it sounds pretty scary. <laughs> um, 
remember going through a prayer session um, with one of the team members, and she said, "Okay, Father, you've okay, you've 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 um, that experience has come to mind, or that memory has come to mind. Now feel the pain of that." And you're saying, hmm, "Why do I want to feel the pain of that?" You know, it doesn't make sense to me. But the thing is, when we bring Jesus into that, that's what that's what we're wanting. That's it's pain. It you know so. As the Lord leads, don't beat ourselves up because we can't get to that point. Just ask the Lord to help us to get to that point um, where we experience the pain, really feel what we felt in that moment, but bringing Jesus into it, okay? And so that's why he says point number four, step number four is ask Jesus to reveal what he desires you to know. Ask him to reveal what he desires you to know. Um, And so uh, he says, some see pictures, um, some see a revelation of truth, or, you know, such as, um, I am not to blame like I thought it was. Uh, or some have a release of pain. You know, I'm not feeling alone anymore, for instance. Or some have just a sense or an inner knowing. You know, like, I know that I'm, I, I just have a sense or a peace that I'm so loved by God. Okay, so that fourth point, ask Jesus to reveal what he desires you to know. Or maybe you could even pray, Lord, where were you in that time? Could you please show me where you were in the room or where you were in the scene? As you think about that that memory, that painful memory. And if you do, so the fifth point then, uh, the fifth step, I should say, is if you do not receive anything from Jesus, look for barriers. So if it seems that you're not getting anything from him, look for barriers. Okay? And so this is where I say that the the unbound book and the be healed book go hand in hand. Okay? The five keys, uh, repentance, forgiveness, uh, annunciation, uh, authority. um, You know, where those two books really meet well together is on this fifth step that that, uh, Dr. Bob... Sure, it'll be a saint someday. Uh, Dr. Bob says, um, "Now, if you do not receive anything from Jesus, look for barriers." So he says the problem may be control. You know, maybe control due to an inner vow or judgment. Like I, I'm not allowing Jesus to be the one to speak to me, or allowing Him really to be the one to heal me. I just want to be the one in control and to figure it out. I know what I need right now. And so, again, be patient with yourself. It's okay, all right? Just allow yourself to to feel what you're feeling. Uh, The problem may be dissociation due to early trauma, or you may experience abandonment from God. Um, The barrier may be a wall of anger, fear, denial, or hopelessness. A wall of anger, fear, denial, or hopelessness. Um, and then ask the Lord to reveal and minister to the barrier and its source. So we're always putting this in the Lord's hands. We're not trying to figure it out. And, okay, if I have a sense of what the barrier is, um, great. I can deal with it. If not, just ask him to reveal what it is and to minister to it. <clears throat> but, yeah, we're asking Jesus to deal with it. We're asking him to, to, to take care of that. 
barrier. Uh, the sixth step is when you receive the healing from Jesus. You know, um, so the fruit, check to see that the fruit in the memory um, and the original issue um, you know, that they correspond. So just see, just check to see what fruit there is, you know, just see what comes as a result of praying inner healing prayer. And then give thanks to the Lord and, and just seal the healing in Jesus's blood and in the Holy spirit. So that's also important. Once we experience just a grace or a fruit of, inner healing prayer, where we've gone into a memory with Jesus, he's revealed something to us, then we just say, in the name of Jesus, I just seal this, and, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, I just seal the goodness, the fruit of this prayer time. So, but he says, Dr. Bob does in his book, Be Healed, he says, to be effective, healing prayer must uproot the specific identity lies and other barriers that hold these strongholds in place. And so, like I said earlier, it may be necessary to renounce certain things like we did in the unbound prayer model. Um, So be bold, be persistent in prayer. Remember that Jesus had to pray with a blind man more than once, right? So the necessity, the necessity of repeated prayer does not equal lack of faith, all right? Necessity of needed prayer and repeated prayer does not equal lack of faith. And uh, Dr. Bob quotes on page 170 in his book, he says, and this is in the Be Healed book, he says, or he quotes Francis McNutt, actually, who said this, This much has become abundantly clear. Prayer for healing is often a process. It requires time. Okay. Um, so I wanted to share briefly just an experience that I had on on uh, my Ignatian retreat, I told you about that Ignatian eight-day retreat, and um, you know, life is war. Paragraph four hundred nine in the Catechism, right? And um, <clears throat> but anyway, I was in the, I was having lunch one day, and so on this retreat, and the, the setup was, uh, I think, seven priests, and we were sitting on the inside aisle, right, and we were facing out towards the windows, right. And so we didn't see each other as we're eating lunch. And um, at one point during lunch, you know, I heard the guy next to me was really chomping down on his chips, right? So I'm hearing the, I'm hearing the, the loud, you know, I'm like, gosh, he's chomping his chips so loud. I'm like, gee whiz. And, and then I started to go down this road of, oh, and there's also this that this person does. And, the, and so, but I, I was able to recognize it. And, and I said, Lord, you know, I didn't say it out loud. I said, Lord, can you reveal for me the source of my self-righteousness? And 
You know, I kid you not, these were words that came to me immediately. It wasn't like I started to think about it and try to figure it out. It was just, it was your good grades. It was your good grades. That's what he, that's what came to mind. And so, um, and, it, and you know what? It didn't, it didn't sound accusatory. It was just truth. It was just a fact, okay? And I, uh, so I thought, wow, I was just so grateful. I was so grateful that those words came to me. I was like, wow, that's powerful. You know, I asked the Lord what the root of that sin was, and he just, he just told me. And uh, so I was just grateful. Um, and like I told you, that was, but I knew that was rooted in a wound when I was in fourth grade. And so I was thinking of that time a little bit, and I went from the dining room or refectory, and I'm walking down to the end of this hall over here and um, to my room right at the end of the hall. And as I'm walking into the room, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, those people at John Paul II Healing Center, though, said I should pray to know where Jesus was in that moment or what was he saying, what was the truth in that moment. And... Um, you remember how my dad had said, son, if you do not get good grades, you're not going to get a good job when you get older. So I'm thinking about this, and I'm walking, I'm opening the door. And as I'm opening the door to my room, I'm, th- I'm saying, Lord, where were you in that moment? And, and I just heard these words. No, he doesn't. He's going to be a priest. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, again, it just came to me. It was like, just immediately. It wasn't like I was thinking to it. And, um, you know, I was just so, I was like, wow, you know, Jesus told my dad off, you know, and that's, that's, I'm like, man, he was telling my dad off at that time, you know? So, I mean, it was like, wow, he was really, I mean, I didn't hear him there at the time, but, but that's what he was saying. No, it's, and I'm like, that makes perfect sense. He would have known that I was going to be a priest, you know? And, you know, the ironic, ironic thing is I have the best job in the world. So, um, but, you know, that was powerful for me, okay? And so when I, I was just, that whole day, I was just like, wow, that was amazing. That Lord really did reveal the root of the sin. And he also told me where he was or what he was saying at the point, of, at the time of that encounter with my dad. So that was one day. The next day was a whole other story. Because then I was getting, the Lord was putting on my heart, revealing for me the ways that I withheld love from my dad. You know, even though, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe one way to put it is, well, he started it, okay? But, um, but yeah, I was, I was starting to feel that. And that was, that was another, it was like, wow, yeah, I know. I, I didn't receive the love at times that I desired. Um, but I also know that in my wounded heart, I also rejected him. I also withheld love from him. And, um, you know, you can say, well, um, justify it any way you want, but it's the truth. So that's... Um, been a powerful memory of me for me just that whole experience on that retreat and how inner healing prayer just with oneself before God 
um, is real, and the God and the Lord speaks to us in that. Uh, what are the what are the signs of healing? Okay, how do we know when we've experienced some healing? Well, you know, when those deadly sins, when those deadly sins become virtue, when there's virtues that replace those deadly sins, for one, but in the place of the wound, okay, so I'm just going to go through these seven wounds, and it's on page 190 in the Be Healed book. So the seven signs of healing are, instead of abandonment, I'm feeling connected and understood. Instead of abandonment, I'm feeling connected and and understood. Instead of shame, I'm feeling pure and worthy. Instead of fear, I'm feeling safe and secure. Instead of powerlessness, I'm feeling empowered and liberated. Instead of rejection, I'm feeling accepted and valued. Instead of hopelessness, I'm feeling hopeful and encouraged. Instead of confusion, I'm feeling understood and I'm feeling enlightened. So, instead of abandonment, connected and understood. Instead of shame, pure and worthy. Instead of fear, safe and secure. Instead of powerlessness, empowered and liberated. Instead of rejection, accepted and valued. Instead of hopelessness, hopeful and encouraged. Instead of confusion, understood and enlightened. I'd just like to end with um, the Be Transformed book at the end of the section on baptism. He has this um, prayer, and he says this, Renouncing the works of Satan and affirming our faith in God can take place every day and every moment of our lives. We are given this authority by virtue of our baptism. Let's put this into practice. Suppose someone said something that offended you and you are left feeling rejected. Try praying the following. Okay, and so if you could just repeat after me, all right? In the name and authority of Jesus Christ, which I received in my baptism, I renounce the lie that I am not loved or lovable. I renounce the curse of rejection that comes from the father of lies. I renounce the authority that I have given to anyone else but you, Father, to tell me my value and worth. You, Father, are the only one who completely knows me and loves me as I am. I acknowledge that by virtue of my baptism, I am loved and delighted in by you, Father. I also acknowledge that By virtue of my blessing and baptism, you have given me your Holy Spirit, 
whose love is poured out into my heart. I am one with Jesus, your beloved. Amen.